Okay. I just pulled up the notes, the talking points. I have the notes right here. Okay. Captain America. Managed to see it last week. Honestly, haven't seen it for like two weeks, but... Um... I still remember it well, you know. I, um, I remember... Uh. I remember seeing it, like, nine days ago, but when I think about it, like, I remember most of it, but compared to so many of the other movies, Captain America is kind of forgettable. I don't know if that's because it's just a phase one movie, or if it's because I realized it was just sort of, like, cheesy kind of propaganda style, which is the point, but I'm excited to get into phase two yeah. for the Avengers. I like the Avengers as probably... I don't know if it's my uh, number one favorite MCU film, but it's up there. Yeah, that was good. Like, watching the Avengers after Captain America is going to be yeah. like a whole... <laughs> it's the big event movie, basically. Yeah. yeah, it is. And knowing that it's there, I think I've built it up in my head as being better. I hope... I haven't seen it in years. I hope it holds up. But Captain America was like the perfect segue from Iron Man's part in the MCU and the introduction of Thor and the Hulk to really getting the Avengers together. Yeah. I wanted to bring up a few uh, things about the MCU that happened since our last recording. Did you want to do the dedication oh. to the Spider-Man guy? Uh, yeah, I wanted to bring up this first before we get started because Paul Souls, he was actually in one of the MCU films we, uh, we recorded about uh, months ago. He was in The Incredible Hulk. He was stanley the pizza owner yeah yeah that was him but he's mainly well known as the very first uh voice actor for spider-man the 60s cartoon you know spider really spider-man yeah that's it yeah that was him so cool i didn't know that yeah it was him but sadly he passed away a few weeks ago and well figured make this uh podcast dedicated to him he technically was the first spider-man actor yeah i love that let's do so sad how old was he do you know? know I think he was around 90, I believe. Mm, long life. Good. That's good. Yeah. yeah, but at least he made an impact. He did. Well, he will be missed. He used to love watching that. Oh, he will be. Yes. Although, I've never seen that... Uh, I've never seen the 60s cartoon first in um, a Spider-Man VHS tape. You know, it was uh, the 90s cartoon. And um, as a neat little bonus, they actually had... Of one of the episodes of the 60s cartoon and that was actually my first exposure and then subsequently i did see uh reruns so on cool. what what was uh what used to be abc family this was when the spider-man hype train was you know really peaked you know in 2002 when the film came out you know just so suddenly there were a lot of spider-man reruns yeah oh they really were i remember that <laughs> i remember that too well you couldn't go anywhere without people talking about Spider-Man. It was a big deal. It really was. It was. It was a very big deal. Spider-Man is in everybody's hearts. We all love Spider-Man. At least a little bit. <laughs> all right. He's, you know, okay. he's like he's like Marvel's Mickey Mouse for a reason. I think it's because he's the teenage character. He's very much like the superhero everyone can practically relate to. Right. Yeah. Who hasn't been bitten by a spider? <laughs> Fortunately, not me. <laughs> What? Really? Really? Yeah, no no chance of becoming a spider person. Oh, you're lucky. Right? Though I actually had a friend who was bitten by a spider. Radioactive Sorry. spider? No. <laughs> oh, no, no. No? No, but he hoped to get superpowers. We were six. But no, no, no. We were 11, so, you know. 
we all wanted superpowers. I still want superpowers. I don't, I don't know if I'd want to be a spider, though. I think I might want it through, like, a government experiment instead, because I hate spiders. Captain America, I think his way of getting superpowers is probably my favorite of the two. Oh, uh, yeah? Yeah, and the results were, I think, better than Peter Parker's. I would not want to be beholden to the government. No, no, that's no fun. But, I mean, in the movie, they just sort of, like, kick him to the curb, right? He's not useful. He's not an army. He's one man. So I feel like if I were in that position, I would be like, all right, peace out, guys. I'm going to go take my superpowers elsewhere, and you'll never see me again. Yeah. That's, that's why I'm not Captain America, because I'm not, I'm not a good person <laughs> like he is. Okay, so Captain America. Yeah. Although a lot of things have happened in the MCU since our last podcast, WandaVision has finished. So has um, The Falcon and the Winter Soldier, which awesome shows. Awesome. And right now, Loki is currently airing on Disney+. Plus. It's getting really, really good so far. Yeah. I hear that they have confirmed that Loki is fluid, which means I called it and I'm so grateful. Yes. I hope they do it right. I really hope they do it right. I think Tom Hiddleston will do his best to be the embodiment of that character. But, oh, man, I'm so grateful because that's Loki. So yeah. it's going to be so much fun. You're going to love episode two, then. Trust me. Don't tell me. I haven't, I haven't seen it yet. Don't tell me. Don't tell me. I've only seen one, I won't say and it. I I'm did love it. I'm not going to say it. I'm not going to say it. Just, you know, just, you know, giving you a heads up there, you know. Okay. That's on my list of things to watch in the next, like, 48 hours. Oh, then there's also Avengers Campus opening on Disneyland. Disney's California Adventure or whatever. It's the California Parks. They they finally oh. opened Avengers Campus. And uh, there's a lot of neat stuff there. They have a new Spider-Man ride and they actually have a Sam Wilson Captain America meeting greets. Cool. I love him. Yeah. Yeah. That's, yeah. I was, I was amazed. They And this happened not too long after the uh, last episode of The Falcon and Winter Soldier aired. Oh, man. That... Ooh. I'm excited for when we actually talk about those episodes because they really do bring the Captain America story full circle. And it does. Not just that, but. Uh, questions that I've always had about racism in Captain America. Well, they also announced Captain America 4, so we're getting more. Yeah, but that one's going to be with Sam, right? Yeah. Yeah, that's. Chris no, Evans there's... is done, isn't he? Yes, they're, they're starting a new series of films with Sam Wilson. That's totally fine with me. I love him. Okay. And then finally, there's uh, social media reactions to Black Widow are in, and it's very positive so far. Yes, of course it is. We've been wanting that movie forever. Yes, and of course, Never. trailers for Eternals and Shang-Chi, and that's how it's pronounced. Shang-Chi. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, Shang-Chi is the pronunciation, not Shang-Chi, turns out. Okay, thank yeah. you. All right. And Eternals looks great so far, you know, I'll say. Marvel's on a roll. Yeah, very much. They're even uh, starting on uh, Secret Invasion. I can't. I can't keep track. I'm so glad we do this podcast because I think it's the only <laughs> way I'd be able to keep track of the MCU. <laughs> You're going to love this about Secret Invasion then. They're going to make fun of Tucker Carlson. Tucker oh, yeah. Carlson? Tucker the, the Carlson, Fox the Fox guy? News guy. They're going to make fun of Tucker. Oh, great! What? And that certainly explains the casting of Christopher McDonald. If you love the Iron Giant, you probably know him as Kent Mansley in that movie. Oh my god, I forgot about that movie. Yeah. <laughs> Is that the FBI antagonist? Yeah, that's him. Okay. 
And like I said, that casting makes a lot of sense. Mm-hmm. Interesting. But we're getting ahead of ourselves. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. Captain well, let's America, stick to uh, the first Avenger. Yes. Or uh, the first Avenger, Captain America, and the overseas markets. Yeah. Not to be confused with Captain Marvel, who's uh, <laughs> the first one who is called an Avenger. Mm-hmm. But she never had a chance to become an Avenger. She left. She said, "I'll oh. come back." Last resort. Any anyway, <laughs> digressions. Well, um, yeah. but we're getting ahead of ourselves yes. there. Captain America takes place in, or the majority of it takes place in what, 1942? 1942? Like somewhere in the middle of World War II. Yeah, I think it's supposed to be 1942. It's definitely before the liberation of the camps. Yeah. Um, Yeah. And you know, you can tell this was by the same dude who made the Rocketeer. The diesel punk? What? Uh, Because of the diesel punk aesthetic? Something like that. That's part of it. The whole film basically feels like both an extension of what director Joe Johnston probably wanted to do for a, a Rocketeer follow-up, but also things he no doubt improved on from that movie. Yeah, just I mean stylistically, it's it's very. I don't I don't know what the word is. I, the only thing that flashes in my head is bombastic propaganda. You know, like, like the whole stylish. yeah, the whole style. Just the way they have uh, Captain America standing at every turn. The the script itself. He is the poster child for America, which is exactly who he's supposed to be, right? So I felt yeah. like they wanted the entire tone of the movie to reflect his idealistic view of America. Because Captain America, as far as I could tell, does not talk about even once anything that could have been reflected as an SJW issue, right? Even back then, they had those issues. Yeah, and like he's... Haven't you heard? Comics aren't supposed to be political because the internet told me to. Nonsense. (laughs) Absolute nonsense. You don't put Nazis, you don't put Nazis in a comic book and and not expect it to get political. Not only political, humanist. Because there's... Nazis are are anti-humanist. They're terrorists. That's how it is. That's just the way it is. And just because Hydra is separate from the Nazis doesn't mean that they didn't start out that way and still have those ideals. They just also believe in a cult. Yeah, that's the thing I wanted to bring... I want to bring up. That's... Yeah, Red Skull wants to separate from Hitler, but his ideas still remain aligned. He's just abandoning one group to further the same exact goal, but bigger. I noticed that they did have the Imperial Eagles from Nazi Germany on their uh, banners, even though they replaced the banners from the Nazi flag to the Hydra flag. They still have the eagles Mm -hmm. at the top. Yes. Well, Nazis are always hypocrites, so, you know, know, those guys never make sense. Red Skull believed that Hitler was thinking too small. I mean, if you're talking about, man, I always mispronounce this, Ubermensch? Ubermensch. Yes, yes, that Christian morality is gone to pot. You know, you're trying to be the Superman, a superman, a strong man, better than other humans, almost godlike, nihilism, Nietzsche, all of that stuff. Hitler just wanted to make Germans the best. He wanted to conquer the world. And as far as Red Skull goes, that's too small. That's too small. You should want them to evolve. He's just basically an egotistical asshole. Exactly. He's Hitler as a transhumanist. Yeah, yeah. 
Yeah. And with Red Skull, it's different in his head because he's found bridge between magic and science. And he knows that he can, in fact, become that because he's already been through it. If Hitler had gone through the same procedure that Erskine offered, what would have happened? Would it have been worse? Would it have been better? No, it would have been exactly the same. The only reason Just on a bigger that... scale. Exactly. Because he had the most power because he was already the Fuhrer of the Third Reich, right? He would yes. have lost the dorky mustache. Oh, seriously. It's, just... <laughs> Every time, you know, every once in a while I see somebody with the Hitler stash. I'm like, you know, I don't care if you think you're Charlie Chaplin. I don't care if you're trying to be ironic. It looks bad. Yeah. yeah. Get rid of it. it All anyone's going to see is Hitler. That is not the comparison that you want. It's yeah. just yeah. not. You don't want to have that stash, you know. Like, honestly, I kind of feel bad for Charlie Chaplin ca- cosplayers right now. Yeah. You know, I don't think I would cosplay as Charlie Chaplin ever because all I see is the Hitler stash. All Although, ironically, he did play a Hitler type character in The Great Dictator. <laughs> of course. I mean, naturally. Maybe. Yeah, he had the mustache too, so yeah. I guess. Maybe Hitler wanted to be Charlie Chaplin. I don't know. Well, he was a private film collector, amazingly. Yeah. Hitler Hitler's supposed to be like this. Oh, this complicated man. All I see is a, a terrible person who wanted to rule and subjugate and treat... He's, oh, he's downright evil. He's downright he's evil. evil. That's no question. Red Skull is there, and we can agree that he's basically the same person. So when people yeah. say that Hydra and the Third Reich are supposed to be different, they're not. They're, it's just no, more acceptable to hate them in, in comic books because it's a cult. It's supposed to have mysticism, which puts it um, a higher tier, right? Yeah. But let's be honest. Captain America is about an American fighting and killing Nazis. Yeah. And it's about the idea of nationalist, American nationalist pride and morals beating the corrupted uh, imperialism of Nazi Germany. Yeah. Although the funny thing is, the comic was created before before America got involved in the war. And when the cover got printed, you know, the one with him punching Hitler, cap punching Hitler, yeah. um, a lot of Americans were not happy. I think there were, like, a lot of white nationalists wanting to come in through the um, offices of Timely Comics, which that was before they became Marvel, FYI, just for clarification's yeah. sake. So cool. co-creator Jack Kirby, he heard this. They wanted to beat up the dude who co-created Captain America and Jack Kirby just basically said yeah I'll meet these assholes he came down mm-hmm. and everyone was just gone they left as soon as he Kirby said that he's coming down like uh, oh. the working class uh, Jewish guys are not going to be pushovers they're gonna like, yeah you know roll up their sleeves and be intimidating yeah yeah you have to remember Kirby is not a pushover like he he wasn't the type of guy to basically just stand by you know, take it. No, he's he will come down and show that he means it. I put the hammer down. Yeah. Yeah, that's what he was going to do anyway before just everyone cowardly left. Keep in mind, the dude was big. He could snap your arm off if he wanted to. Yeah. And besides, oh, yeah. he wasn't called the king for nothing. Yeah. Captain America, historically, whether it was before America got involved in World War II or not, Captain America's ideals should be pure i mean because if we're talking about the purest embodiment of american ideals it's shiny it's blind justice it's 
manifest destiny. It's every positive way to describe America at the time. And a lot of people forget that we had our own uh, Nazi following here in America yeah. at the time. Yeah. And yeah, there I were meetings, that, large meetings. Yeah. Yeah, the German-American um, boon. Yeah. I don't think that went unnoticed by Kirby. Yeah. I hope not. I would have noticed it. I think he knew, which is why he wanted to basically knock heads. I'm glad he did, because that's a lot of children and young adults who may be interested in a kind of story or figure that is larger than themselves and giving them a chance to find a sense of actual justice, not hypocrisy. That's great, yeah. especially because a lot of us have parents who are hypocrites and we have to deal with... Sadly, I have that. Right. We have to be willing to step out of their shadows and say, guys, you're wrong. And even if I can't say it to your face because I love you, I'm not going to go into the world treating people the way you taught me to. I'm going to be better. Yes. Captain America can offer that to kids yeah. in 1941. That's it. That's, That's a huge deal. Exactly. So, And I don't doubt Kirby had that in mind as well. Yeah. I mean, you don't get into comics without keeping the children in mind and knowing that you've got to reach children on their level. It can't be too scary, but if it's going to be scary, it's got to be a little abstract. So Hydra is yeah. perfect. Very um, much so. Worth noting that Hydra started as something different from the Nazis. It was just like a criminal organization like Spectre in 1960s. And in the original Captain America comics, he was uh, straight up fighting Nazis. Yeah. Yeah. No denying there. That's exactly what it was. Maybe with time, the threat of Nazism evolved into something else for the writers. 20 years later, Nazis are defeated, and we're moving on to communists, extreme, broken socialists. Just yeah, they did try to continue the Captain America comics with uh, making him a commie smasher. That did not work, and consequently the book was cancelled. But here's the hilarious thing about it. That was retconned, and the commie smasher Cap turned out to be a villain, with the real Captain America trapped in ice in the intervening years. Huh, I didn't know that. That's the podcast. Otherwise, I'm not going to keep any of it straight. We can agree that Captain America is supposed to be the positive embodiment of American ideals. Yes. Um, yes. Which is a great comparison to make, especially at this period of time during, when Captain America First Avenger came out, comparing him to Iron Man. Because Iron Man was supposed to also embody American ideals. But the tone of America as a country changed between Iron Man coming out and Captain America coming out. Yes. Right? Because when Iron Man came out, he was a warmonger with a heart of gold who was on his redemption and was doing his best to be a decent person. He never considered himself a good person. He just wanted to be better than he was before. And then here comes Captain America, who is just a good person trying to be a good person and is a great man. Yeah. But his values are just like homegrown. Mm-hmm. He's just like exactly who he is exactly he's just a kid from brooklyn trying to do right by america because he feels like it's his obligation to step up for the country that's taking care of him even though the country is not taking care of him yeah exactly i'd say it's a very well constructed uh, arc for the guy and especially with his evolution from being this kid from brooklyn to the hero he became 
And I feel the film really did a great job delving into those aspects. And Chris Evans, dude's well cast. He's perfect. Yeah, it's perfect. When I think about the kind of the ideal and propaganda that would have cemented him for me, think about that scene uh, when he's in boot camp and General throws the grenade and everyone runs and then he jumps on it because for him, it's not about survival. It's about making sure that the guy next to you survives. Yeah. And as a feminist, I don't think I didn't notice, and I know you guys noticed too, that Peggy Carter ran for it also. She was the only other person who ran for it. The two of them ran yeah. together. He got there first, obviously, because he was right next to it. But the point yeah. is, is for them, that is truth. The pure American value, protecting each other. And making the world a better place, not by forcing your will on others, but by forcing yourself to be better from the inside out. Yeah, serving the community. It speaks to the characters. So, I mean, when I'm watching Captain America and it's super hokey and every other scene is just like the perfect snapshot of Uncle Sam wants you and Captain America's here for you and sock old Hitler in the jaw, that's not what gets me. I roll my eyes at that because I know that that's part of the style of the movie. For me, it's the below the surface propaganda his actions and what he says it's just pure i love america poetry there is uh, one moment i like to point out the colonel character played by tommy lee jones he uh he points out the ideal super soldier he wanted was the big tough guy you know he doesn't want steve but with the grenade scene and you see the same guy cowering he just ran off while steve just ran for the grenade right even Tommy Lee Jones's character had to admit, okay, that's courage. He was not expecting that response, yeah. those responses at all. So, so for him to see it, even without saying it, because you know he's never going to say it, he admitted that he was wrong. He just had his own way of saying it. Now, that being said, can't say that I'm too pleased with this movie as far as their interest in gender issues and the way they portray women in this movie. I didn't jive with that at all. I, they have this little old granny and she's watching the antique shop that's really a front for the lab. They have the two girls that go out with Bucky and Steve at the beginning. They have Peggy Carter and, oh my gosh, well, what is her name? I, Natalie then, Dormer's character, whatever. Well, in defense of Peggy Carter's first scene, the guy had it coming. He definitely had it coming. And she handled it in what I'm sure a lot of people would say was the only way that she could, being a very slight woman in the military in 1942. You cut it off before it starts, or she was going to be getting catcalls and insubordination from get-go. But if you shame a man about his lack of masculinity, he got taken down by a girl, it's done. It's nipped. But it shouldn't have happened in the first place. She was his commanding officer, and he felt the need to treat her like an object. So is it good that she knocked him out and broke his nose? Is it bad that she broke his nose? I was rooting for her, but was that the high road? And I mean, uh, personally, I find it satisfying. Well, so did I, but that doesn't mean it's the high road. I mean, if you're getting this lovely sense of satisfaction from watching her sack someone straight in the face when they deserve it, that's not necessarily the high road. That means you might be enjoying it a little too much. And it's like how uh, men achieve respect with each other, and that that might be like uh, I don't know a, a second wave feminist kind of way of getting the uh, female character respected by the audience, but uh, maybe that's not the best way to handle that. It just seems overly simplistic. 
I agree. It would need to be discussed. As his commanding officer, for his insubordination, she could have just had him court-martialed, okay? Like, she could have taken actual steps that are prescribed by the military. Instead, she punched him in the damn face. And everybody in the audience was, like, hooping and hollering for joy. The men were because they're like, of course, that's what she had to do. How else was she going to get his respect? And the women are like, screw that guy. He's such an asshole. But neither one can attest to it being the proper response for someone who's higher in the chain of command. That's not the right response. Male superior officers don't need to punch their subordinates to get them to fall in line. And I take that opportunity to show that it's a little bit of a schism. It's going to be different for Agent Carter in 42. It might even be different for women now. I don't know. Well, fair. Reasonable. Maybe realistically, that wouldn't be the smartest move, but satisfying audience, you know, kind of thing, you know, it's fun. I think the word is schadenfreude. Yeah. It's complicated, I think. Well, kudos to Peggy Carter for knocking his ass out, and I know he didn't try and hit on her again. Yeah. That would be (laughs) stupid, especially when her commanding officer shows up and basically gives his tacit approval. Right? Yeah. You can just call it good right there. Yeah, true. Worth noting that uh, Joss Whedon uh, went over the script to uh, make sure that the characters are consistent in the Avengers. And this seems like a Buffy way of uh, feminism. I I mean, it just seems like that kind of um, rooted in second wave portrayals and what we would call overly simplistic in uh, the, the modern third or fourth wave. Buffy does that in high school when she's learning her self-defense class and the guy she's teamed with is a douchebag and he grabs her ass and she uses a tiny bit of slayer strength to knock him out. Yeah, yeah, that's what I was thinking of. Yeah, yeah. Since since, uh, script doctoring does tend to happen in blockbusters a lot, uh, Whedon getting his hands on it wouldn't surprise me. We know he did do something to uh, at least make Cap's uh, character consistent. Yeah. Yeah be more fun and a little more interesting for them to go in depth with situations like that instead of just turning them into quips and quick jokes you know yeah i guess we're not alone since we're you know asking for more yeah. stuff like that and we're finally getting more stuff like that i'm just mad that it took so long especially since we didn't have to um tie everything to the avengers the transition period yeah yeah that's fair peggy carter is an interesting character she also gets mad Captain America when Natalie Dormer's character forces that kiss and yeah he's clearly uncomfortable I thought that he was clearly uncomfortable he didn't know what to say he didn't know how to respond I mean it was obvious I mean okay so like the rest of us knew that she was hitting on him did he know I don't think so he's supposed to be really inexperienced He's very awkward. Right. He was super derpy. He had no idea. Carter should know that. And and still she's mad at him for getting kissed. He's not even holding her. Like he's not even holding Natalie Dormer. Right. Like I don't think it was fair for her to shoot at him because she was pissed that he got kissed for the first time in his life ever. He didn't even want it. That'd be, I mean, I'm assuming it was his first kiss. He seems like yeah. the kind, the uh, type I, to have I not kissed I doubt he had a before. kiss prior. Yeah. 
uh, forgive my language, this bitch steals his first kiss, puts him in an awkward situation. Nothing happens to her because apparently that's how women are supposed to behave, right? And he's getting the shit end of the stick from Peggy Carter because she's jealous. So what? She can be a complicated, strong, intelligent, wonderful person and still fall back on this, I'm going to say, irrational sense of jealousy instead of trusting the guy she has a crush on? Is this high school? Well, it was doctored by weed in a few times. <laughs> right. Like, it's war, goddammit. Make it believable. She'd be like, yeah, he's Captain America. Of course women are trying to rip his clothes off. I want to rip his clothes off. Be honest. Trust me, everyone thought the same thing. Yeah, I wouldn't be mad at him. She's cheeky, but she's wrong. Yeah. At times she's wrong. And expecting, like, getting mad at him for behaving like a typical male, when we all know he's not a typical male, makes no sense. No. Yeah. How often does a guy just honestly say, I'm waiting for the right partner? That's a good point. I mean, he seems like a pretty evolved male, at least for the times. Well, that's the thing about Steve. He's not a rude jerk or anything, just wanting to be the best good guy he can be. Right. And she did not know that Vibranium was going to stop those bullets. I mean, she must have been counting on the serum to save him regardless. Because well, otherwise, what she did was considered very impulsive, and she would have been court-martialed. Because he is, at this point, their best asset. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Nothing like that would have happened. Nothing like that would have happened. Yeah. The whole thing feels like um, it's disrespecting her as a woman's ability to be aggressive by not showing it the same respect. Uh, like, it doesn't have the same, um, oh my god, that is not something we do element. Right. Yeah. Right. Yes. And you know she would have had to fight tooth and nail to get as far in the military and still be a liaison to MI6. So she would have had to portray only the best decorum. That kind of thing would not have happened. She would have known that she had to find different option. I think uh, Agent Carter kind of delved into uh, her fighting tooth and nail to get where she to where she was. But we're not there yet. Yeah. Right? Well, true, but I want to bring that tiny thing up. <laughs> Yeah, that's fair. Although, a uh, fun fact about the S.H.I.E.L.D.'s origins. In the MCU, this is the first use of Vibranium. In the comics, it was Adamantium. The same stuff that, uh, that is the skeleton of Wolverine. Yes. Yeah. But you can't use mutants at this point. Oh, yes. That's the thing. They couldn't use that sense, you know, the rights were with 20th Century Fox at the time. So, Vibranium was very much the next best thing. Um, and that's going to be important later on. You're absolutely right. That's true. Um, I appreciate that Peggy wants to touch him because who doesn't want to touch him? But that wasn't in the script. So they flipped the script on that one. But That's interesting. Yeah. Yeah. That was accidental. She wasn't she was supposed to give him his clothes and she couldn't help herself. And I don't blame her. Well I don't um, It's a realistic reaction. It is a realistic reaction, but it's also a little problematic if you think about it if the roles were reversed, if it was like Lady Captain America or Captain America portrayed by Peggy Carter oh. and Chris Evans was about to grab for her. Wouldn't you be True. a little skeeved out, like grossed out? Like, don't touch her. Don't touch her. She's yeah. not a statue. She's human. Don't touch her. Yeah. I don't... Although, um, considering an upcoming episode of What If is going to have, what if Peggy Carter took the super soldier serum? I doubt something like that will happen. Interesting. We'll just have to wait and see. I'm hoping it does. 
I would like to see that because the truth of the matter is, is if I'm in a bra and I just came out of a microwave and I look as sexy as possible and some guy started trying to touch me without my permission, I might have thrown him against the wall. Like, don't touch me. I don't know where I've been. I sure as hell don't know where you've been. This is my bubble. Get out of it. Yeah, that that would be creepy with the genders reversed. Yes. I keep that in mind. But Peggy Carter is assertive. She's smart. She's so complicated. And you can already tell just based on her position in the universe. Not only is she an agent, but she's an MI6 liaison. She's in the military working on a super secret project. She's best friends with Howard Stark. And Captain America is her boo, her bae. So what the hell has she been through to get to where she is now? And was her character in the MCU written as a callback to some of the other women that we'd already seen in the MCU? Because we've already experienced Black Widow and we already know about Pepper Potts. I don't know enough about the Captain America comics. I don't remember much about Carter before. She did exist in the comics before, but she wasn't well known at that point until this movie. Was she this assertive? Was she this strong? Was she... I don't recall her being that. I'll have to recheck, but I kind of doubt that it was like the same character, or at least not until this movie when the comics began to synergize with the MCU a bit. Maybe Peggy Carter being as dope as she is, at least in part thanks to characters like Black Widow and Pepper Potts. Is she this badass and this intelligent, this capable of handling her shit because audiences reacted well to Black Widow and Pepper Potts. I I don't doubt that's the case, honestly, because this was, despite uh, Marvel Studios being run by Ike Perlmutter at the time, they still at least managed to create strong women characters in the films. Yeah, they, they, they tried, I guess. Well, you gotta wait until Civil War when um, Ike Perlmutter gets kicked out. Yeah, I just have to hold on to my hat, I guess. Well, thank you to Black Widow and Pepper Potts if they did influence the uh, studio's decision to make Peggy Carter as awesome as she is. She's just so smart. And it's not just... Well, she's one of the best characters. Oh, yeah. It's not just intelligence. It's common sense. She's got it. And I love that she has that street smarts and that common sense because that's so important. That's what makes her well-rounded. Yes. Do you think that she would sound as smart if she were American, not British? Um, could be. We'd be as enamored with her if she had an American Mm -hmm. accent, if she were an American character, not a British transplant who became an American. Or does that lend to her awe? The fact that she was like, screw England, I want to be American. I I think she would be just as well-liked, honestly. Sure? Yeah. I kind of think if she were just an American woman. Black Widow is from Russia, and she doesn't have the accent in the MCU. Ah, but she does when she's speaking Russian. Yes. Point taken right? there. Point taken right? there, like she, she acts American because she is a spy working in yes. America. But when she's undercover, she's whatever she needs to be. Papa Potts is an American. And yes. I think that... I'm more interested in Peggy Carter because of that accent. Same reason I'm more interested in Thor with a British accent when he really should have a different accent. Is it because we associate British accents with intelligence, higher forms of learning, Ivy Leagues? Yeah, I guess that's also the case. Added sex appeal. 
Yes, because her accent is freaking sexy, right? It's super sexy. Yes. It's a bit exotic. Yes. It is exotic. It's across the pond, and we have a very uh, interesting history with United Kingdom, but that does not change the fact that that accent is sexy as hell, and she can talk to me like that whenever she wants. But if I'm just hanging out with a super hot woman from America, it's not exotic. Because I already yeah. have that. Like, I don't care. I look at myself in the mirror and I'm like, damn, you fine. I, yeah, I get off on you. No, because I'm me. I want to look at other people. Yes. The same with the accent. I think that her accent adds, adds to her sex appeal. And I think one of the things about it is that she just sounds harder. And I think that's a cultural conditioning. Yeah. Makes sense. Somebody somewhere probably him talking to the rest of the scriptwriters and the directors and said, you know what she needs? She needs a British accent and you need to make sure that she talks. I mean, I think she was already possible. British in the comics. So, right. Yeah. right. But it's like, yeah. you, she needs to talk as much as possible because she is going to get asses in those seats and she won't even need to take off her clothes. You know, it would be better if we put her in a red dress unnecessarily. Because Joss Whedon is an Anglophile, he could have had something to do with that. I suppose that could have been him. Why the hell did they put her in that stupid-ass dress? It's beautiful, she looks great in it, but that bar scene, come on. She was going to turn heads regardless, and I would be more attracted to her, and a strong, capable, and secure man would be just as attracted to her, if not more attracted to her, while she was in freaking uniform, because she whoops ass! the end when she's running with her gun and she's in her combat boots i'm like hells yes that's what i'm talking about because if they had sent her into that battle in freaking heels i think i would have thrown something at the screen why send her into that bar in the red dress what i meant thankfully that she didn't go into battle with heels right but they thought about it you know damn well they thought about it there's no way somebody in hollywood wasn't like she looks so cute in heels in this scene and I, I'm hoping a woman was like, fuck off. No, she wouldn't. She's going into battle against Nazis. Mystical Nazis. God damn it. Let her wear combat boots and some pants. So why put her in that red dress in the bar scene? Everybody else is in fatigues. Why does she have to be in the dress? She's the only woman in there. The dress was unnecessary. Except to make her eye candy. She's the only eye candy in the goddamn movie. She was just trying to get him to report. She only went in there to get him to report, and then she turned around and left again. So he had just liberated the 107th. At this point, he's decided he's going to start his own team. So Bucky and, uh, oh man, the, the, the tokens. The, the token Japanese-American who's played by a Chinese-American, right? Yeah. Chinese-American? The actor's okay. name is Choi. I should mention Choi plays a descendant of that character in the uh, recent Spider-Man movies in the MCU. Okay, that's cool. Still, not Japanese. Feel like you could find plenty of Japanese-Americans in America who could have actually been descended from somebody who would have been in an internment camp to do credit to a character who is supposed to be something. But whatever. What do I know? I'm just... Well... I guess with this, we just kind of had to accept uh, some rules are different from reality in regards to um, these characters, you know. No, I don't. I don't have to accept that at all. Well, I don't. I'm not saying that's, I'm not saying, <laughs> you know, good or bad, just that's, that's probably how it is. Plus, I'm kind of thinking Lindsay Ellis' take on that. Uh, I, 
is this an alternate universe where segregation never existed? And this is the most diversity we get? Yes, I noticed that too. In the beginning of the movie, when he's at the theater and he's about to get like crap kicked out of him by the douchebag yelling at the screen, I noticed that some of the people who were mad about the douchebags yelling were several women sitting next to each other. And one of them was black and one of them was white. And I had to look it up. I was like, wait a second. When did New York desegregate? When did they start to integrate? And I looked it up. They didn't actually force integration until the Civil Rights Act of, of, of 1965. So that means there's no way in hell that in those seats there would have been a black person sitting next to a white person. Later, and he's going after the dude that just killed Erskine, there's a black woman walking down the street with a white woman. Different actresses, but they're next to each other. They're touching, in fact. And that never would have happened either because at the time, white people were afraid they were going to get diseases from black people and that black people shouldn't be even on the same side of the street. They had to cross over. So if they're going to go out of their way to show me scenes like this, why the hell am I only seeing one black guy, one Japanese guy, you know, one Frenchman, and that's it? Well, I found their names for memory's sake, if you want to hear them. Yes. Okay, um, the black guy is Gabe Jones, and Gabe the Japanese, Amer Japanese American is Jim Morita. And the, um, the rest are Timothy Dum Dum Dugan. These are all guys from the comics. They're the Howling Commandos. Okay. Uh, in the comics, they're, they're supposed to exist modern day, but for this movie, they're transplanted to World War II. Okay, that's... Yeah, so Gabe, only black character in a 40s setting, which is hilarious to me, because there were a lot of black people fighting in World War II. Did you know that whiskey actually gained popularity in Europe because so many black soldiers were over there in Europe and the Europeans were actually really grateful and they started giving black soldiers whiskey for free because they weren't allowed to integrate with the other soldiers. A tidbit there, I learned that, Did not know that but... years ago. I don't even remember why I remember that. Europe was already integrated. There would have been more black people visible in Europe, at least in the bar scene and other scenes in Europe. There would have been more black people. There would have been more people of color. There certainly would have been more black people when the 107th was liberated because the idea was that the prisoners of war were actually not just from the 107th, they were liberated from, they were stolen from, from other lands. You only see him in one other super duper duper dark skinned black man says nothing does nothing but is pushed to the front of the celebration of captain america after the liberation that's it i'm guessing this was done to uh show racial equality that's you know it's not all about white people joining in on the fight against nazis and such you know where are all the other japanese soldiers you have any idea how many Japanese Americans signed up to fight Nazis in Imperial Japan just so that they could find a sense of patriotism so that they could prove their loyalty to America while their families back home were interned in camps? I mean, that's a good point. I mean, it is technically tokenism. Super tokenism, and it's stupid. It's some old bullshit. You can find so many extras who at least look or are black 
Asian, Hispanic. Where are the Hispanic people? Ain't none. You can find those people. They're everywhere. Everyone in Hollywood is, is an actor or actress on the side. It's not hard. But for some reason, it decided to only use one or two of any given race that wasn't white. And that had to be a conscious decision because and, the majority and of are. actors and actresses aren't white. Yes, yes, true. You're not wrong. Perhaps worth comparing to uh, Wonder Woman, where there's a similar group of subordinate characters that uh, join the main two. Um, and there's this uh, Native American character who is like much more of a real character than the others. And uh, I mean, the, the, these not. characters, the G Gabe and Jim Morita. And, like, he says something in the Native American language that is, like, an in-joke that indicates that he's a spirit or, um... God. Yeah. He's an American Indian god who's lost his people. And who actually is sometimes considered a hero in the DC universe. Not the cinematic universe. I don't know what the hell they're doing with that, but probably nothing good. But in the comic books, that's what he is. Wasn't, and he, wasn't he Apache chief, if I recall? I'm not well-versed in DC as I am with Marvel, so, you know, bear with me on that. I'm not sure. Because I heard that dude was supposed to be Apache Chief. Yeah, but he wasn't because they didn't do anything with him. As usual. So, Eugene Brave Rock, he played the Chief. That was his name in the movie. And he is supposed to be Chief from the comics. I think they wanted to take Apache out, though. He can be a chief to anybody, I guess. I suppose. I don't know. But either way, that was an actual conversation. She's like, you fight with these people? Where are your people? What are you doing here? She shows respect to them. She tries to show respect to all of them. And it doesn't confuse or weird her out in the slightest that people look different, right? Because on Themyscira, everybody looks different. There isn't a token black chick in the beginning scenes of Wonder Woman. There isn't a token Asian chick or a token what have you. They're all powerful, strong, independent women who look like they come from all over because there's diversity, because that's what the real world is like. And Themyscira is supposed to be like this awe-inspiring female Amazonian representation of the world because they're the bridge between the world and the gods. So why can't Captain America portray what was actually happening at the time? Bunch of black people, bunch of Asian people, bunch of Native Americans, Hispanics, you name it. You know, people who are born in America but come from diverse backgrounds fighting in World War II. That's sadly Hollywood for you. Yeah. Right. Exactly. It's, it's pure tokenism and it's not even done well. If they were going to do that, they wouldn't have shown a collective like crowd of white people fawning over their god. Well, again, keep in mind who ran Marvel Studios. Right. You know? And then to have Captain America specifically choose the token black guy, the token Frenchman, the token Asian guy, and the Texan. You know, come on, let's be real. And, and why? Because they were the first people he came across. Everybody else was fighting. There could have been better soldiers who were being liberated by Captain America. They chose to make them the first group that he sees because they're the tokens. 
Well, uh, you could argue that, you know, because Bucky trusts them, that's, you know... But Bucky didn't stupid. know them! Well, I assume they got to know each other for who knows how long how? they were in prison. Oh, Bucky was being experimented on almost the whole time. Well, at least I assumed before that, you know... Because they all served in the 107th? Yeah. What other black people and Hispanic people and Asian people? Well, again, that's Hollywood for you. Tokenism. Exactly. There, I mean, I know you're not arguing with me because we all know it's tokenism. I'm just saying it's tokenism and it was... Uh, totally- I agree with you. I, I mean, I do agree with your point. Don't get me wrong. Just, you know, you know, I, I do see your points. Yeah. And, and it does get better. It's just not better yet. Well, yeah. yes, that's my point exactly. It's worth noting, we know the reason why these things are bad, uh, because of Ike Perlmutter and the powers that be being mm-hmm. conservative and racist, etc. But it's it's worth identifying all of these issues with the early MCU and saying that the, these are problems and they are bad. And uh, uh, we, we can look at how they're being addressed in later films. Yes, yeah. absolutely. Because I would have loved to see more people of color, more women on the big screen, because I know they were there. And it would have been nice, at least from my perspective, to feel like that could have been me. I could also have been a hero. I could have been a soldier. And why is Peggy white? Does she have to be white? Later films played uh, changed race before, so... Fair, fair question. There's no actual reason why Peggy Carter has to be white. She is uh, a a trans woman. Exactly. She absolutely could have been a black British woman who would have been farther in the ranks in England than she would have been in America. So it would have made sense that she would have been considered more useful because, you know, Americans would be like, yeah, I mean, she's nothing. Like, I don't give a. We don't give a fuck. We'll take her. We're not going to take her seriously. And then she gets over here and they have no choice but to take her seriously. That would have been compelling. That would have been yeah. super compelling. But they didn't do that. They could have, but they didn't. And, you know, why is Captain America white? He doesn't have to be. And we will find out later why he doesn't have to be. But the point is, tokenism and it needs to be addressed and it needs to be remembered that it happened in the early movies because we can't forgive them for all of their mistakes just because they start getting it right 20 movies down the line right well fair also keep in mind that Perlmutter was the reason it would took uh, forever for black widow captain marvel and black panther to get their films i mean i don't think it was only Perlmutter. he has because... suck ups he had some suck ups it's just that oh yeah you know, Kevin Feige was always at war with the guy. Yeah, I know. But they had to answer to someone as well. And the people they had to answer with didn't seem to think it mattered. So we can't just blame one dude and say that's the scapegoat. It's a systemic issue. These are all I mean, systemic yes, issues. Hollywood and... is itself a systemic issue. So, you right, know. But it's not, just, it's not just Hollywood. I mean, it's, I'm just saying that it was, you know, like he's usually the usual suspect and had his suck-ups, you know. So I, w- I would say that we could call him the poster boy for the proliferation of the systemic issues in the MCU. But Hollywood has, has had these issues with more than just one person. And, well, no and they that. are a reflection of the social issues that we have had outside of Hollywood. Because these are all the same issues that we have in our day-to-day life, which is another reason why it's important that we call it out. 
because tokenism doesn't just exist in the MCU or Hollywood or TV. It also exists in companies. I'm going to hire a token woman or a token black person or a token Asian person, what have you, or a token transgender person because I want to seem inclusive, but I don't actually feel they need to be here. And that's it. There's a huge gap between going straight affirmative action and making sure the stats line up and only hiring a token person. You can just pick someone based on their merit and not dismiss somebody because they aren't a white cis male. Again, no arguments. So I'm just saying, Hollywood is a reflection of our society. And if we can call it out in Hollywood, there's no reason why we can't call it out in the real world, too. And vice versa. Yeah. 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 At least uh, Kevin Feige is doing his best to rectify. It's a long process, but there are, will be hiccups along the way. But he's trying. I'm, I'm just saying he's trying, at least. You know. I also, I don't remember there being any obviously or even not obviously queer people or person in the movie in fact i seem to recall captain america getting some not so great remarks when he's trying to play to the 107th in france someone called him tinkerbell and later colonel phillips called him a chorus girl and at the end after uh, piggy kisses cap uh, phillips makes the remark i'm not kissing you and Oh, it, it's like um, it's a joke because it's considered to be completely absurd as opposed to being based on the relationship between the characters. Yeah. And you know what? It is absurd because he's super old and Captain America. Sorry. What? I laugh at the line. I'm sorry. Just. Uh, okay. Tommy Lee Jones delivers it really well. But, yeah, that's the but thing. But it is, it is absurd because Tommy Lee Jones is ancient. And at this point, Captain America has only been a super soldier for what? couple months so how old was he when he finally joined the army 20 let's let me do some calculating math with this let's see how old he was in 2011 when he was making the film yeah and how old was steve when he became captain america because that means at least i'm gonna say a 30 year gap let's be nice to tommy jones was 65 in 2011 and steve it's supposed to be how old when he first becomes Captain America? 20 years old? I think around his 20s. It's like a 40-year gap. That's nasty. I'm not kissing someone old enough to be my grandpa. Gross. For my grandpa or someone old enough to be my grandpa to be like, I'm not kissing. Like, good, I don't want you to kiss me. Although I do know Chris Evans was 30 in 2011. Oh, right, but he's portraying someone who has been trying to get into the army ever since he became of eligible age. Let's be fair and say early 20s at best. Yeah, 23. Early 20s. 23. And Tommy Lee Jones is 65. That's still he's 42 years of gross gap. Too much of a gap. Yeah. We're being honest. Those kinds of affairs do happen. So what was stop Captain America from falling in love with Peggy Carter's commanding officer? The fact that he's male. And you can't have a gay Captain America. Heaven but forbid. But will be in the comics. Not yet. But there well, could have been. They chose not to. Why not have him fall in love with Howard Stark? They could have fondue. Howard Stark is adorable. They would have made a super cute couple. One of the most searched... A lemon fan fictions online for the MCU is Captain America and Tony Stark as a couple. Shouldn't that shouldn't first place Called be uh, Stephen Bucky? 
Yeah, that's up there too. I think they call that Stucky. And I think they call Loki and Iron Man Frost Iron. Yeah. Okay. People want to see gay couples get together because that's what happens in real life. Why couldn't... I couldn't even fall in love with Bucky. Just keep it simple. What was wrong with that? Why not just do that? The relationship was already there. The connection was there. They already love each other. They would kill for each other. They would die for each other. They both done both for each other. Like, what was to stop them from just being like, you're the man for me. Oh my God, you're the man for me. And then when they reunite in Winter Soldier, it's like, I love you till the end of the line, goddammit. That would have been way better than Brokeback Mountain. There's no reason why that couldn't have happened, except, heaven forbid, you have a gay Captain America. He never talks about it. Not once, not at all, does he mention anything about race relations or gender issues or homophobia, queer issues. He doesn't talk about any of that because he's got to be pure. Like, there's Nazis, but they're not really talking about what makes them bad besides calling them bullies. Right. What makes them bad? Uh, hello? Holocaust? Genocide? It's not hard. Say it. At this point, people watching these movies already know that Nazis are bad. And if they don't, they fucking should. Because they're bad. Pop culture tends to have a aversion to not mention Nazis at all. Or... Depending on what. Because I recall that uh, it was especially evident in 90s cartoons, for example, that anything related to World War II, they just couldn't mention the Nazis. Captain Planet had Hitler with a Fu Manchu mustache. They could not say who the guy was. You know. So Captain America, one of one of the best parts about Captain America, and I know they couldn't use this, was the plot in which he liberate a concentration camp, and he ends up actually saving Eric Lencher. Wait, who? Who is Eric Lencher? Who oh, is uh, Magneto? That would okay? be fun. Right? And yeah. they couldn't use this because, you know, mutants. Also, when he did it, he was working with Wolverine. They double couldn't oh, yeah. use that. And that's totally fine. Point is... Oh, yeah, that was an evolution episode. I remember now. Oh, and it was awesome. And I, I remember reading the story online about it. It was so good. But the point is, they couldn't use the mute, but they could have used him liberating camps. And I would have loved to see him liberate a camp. Any camp. But if they really wanted to just put the icing on the damn cake, at least Although one of the they... person, if you're talking about tokenism that can be good, make one of the victims in one of the camps at least wear a pink triangle. Show that gay people were real. It wasn't always Jewish people. And sometimes it was Jewish people who were gay or people who were queer, gypsies. Like, if you're going to use tokenism, fucking use it for a good reason. I guess nobody thought of that. How could nobody think of something like this? We're talking about someone who is fighting Hitler and Red Skull. He's going everywhere. You think he's going to see a concentration camp and not want to liberate it? Fuck no. We all know he would. And I would have loved to see that because that's what Captain America is supposed to be about. I mean, if I were a betting man, I would say they probably couldn't do that since the thought of a concentration camp would be too depressing. They already implied it and showed some of it. There's a scene where he is going after Red Skull and you see these little structures next to the factory and they look exactly like the cells where they would keep prisoners of concentration camps. 
And the workers in the factories are slaves because they're interred people. So why not just say it? Why not just come out and say it and prove to the world that you're willing to go there? You're willing to stay nasty at the beginning of the fucking movie. Be honest with yourselves. Be honest with us. We can handle it. We know better. Like, that's one of the reasons Nazis, especially in 90s pop culture, rarely get mentioned. You know, sensitivity issues and such, you know. I mean, like, I assume that's the reason. I'm not entirely sure what you're talking about. Like, who, like, who like I, I could swear everyone always tries to avert mentioning anything related to Nazis. Like, I remember a Justice League three-parter where, I don't think the word Nazi was ever uttered. They do bring up an image of Hitler, but they changed yeah, but the swastika. Oh, it's supposed to be pre-World War II. It's actually on the back end of World War One, which is when she and Steve Trevor are trying to save the world. That's in, in that plot. That's where she meets Steve Trevor. And it turns out that there is a little bit of mysticism going on there. And they've got this dictator on ice. It's yeah. actually the person who would become Hitler. So the implication being that the signs for Nazism in Germany were already there long before the Third Reich, which is true. But I don't remember them sugarcoating that. It, they weren't actual Nazis. They did the same thing with the Wonder Woman movie. They weren't Nazis. That was World War One. Nazis didn't exist. The problem was that some of the ideologies already rearing their ugly heads. People across scores dozens of countries have had anti-semitic views for ever or <laughs> right like so if we're not going to talk about nazis who is that sensitivity geared towards german americans with their, their their bleeding like, hearts because it was done for like americans probably sensitive about um the holocaust and such you well, know fuck them because if like somebody's I just speculated. I'm not saying that's no, the actual I know, reason. But like, you know? that would be like a bullshit reason. But that's to that would be totally indicative. Why are we so afraid to be honest and talk about this? National socialism is the literal definition Nazi. That's where it comes from. Nationalist socialist. If we have a problem with nationalism and socialism and fascism, if they're all tied together and we aren't talking about one or the other, it's going to come back and repeat itself. If people who have survived the Holocaust are willing to tell their stories, we should be willing to hear it. And it should be examined across every media because it cannot keep happening. It should not keep happening. Rwanda should not have happened. All of this keeps happening because we're afraid to talk about it. Let's talk about it. Give I mean, me you're a Captain wrong. America. Yeah, give me a Captain America who's willing to prove to me and to himself and to his country and to the world that he isn't just for fluffy flowers and, you know, sugarcoating everything. No, this is a Disney movie. I know it's a Marvel movie, so they can't like show all of the horrors, but they can allude to some of them. They're capable of doing so. We already know that because we saw evidence of Bucky being tortured. You know, we saw what was left of the 107th. We like we know what's going on. It's there. It's still a war movie. They were trying um, to make this like for said, a slightly older audience. It's worth noting that Disney has a history of anti-Semitism. They uh, hired uh, Werner Von Braun after the uh, Operation Paperclip to be their host for a TV show. Ugh. We should expect more from Disney and the MCU and Hollywood and society at large, right? Yes. 
Yes. Okay. God damn it, Captain America, do it right. And the uh, 1990 Captain America, the guy who was uh, sent to kill Erskine, he was just a Nazi. He wasn't a Hydra agent. He, I think he said Heil Hitler before shooting him. Yeah, let's be real. It's there. Yeah. If we're willing to sockle it off in the jaw and we're willing to admit that Nazis are a part of the storyline, let's admit that it's not just Nazis. It's what Nazis did to their people, to other people, scores of people genocide we should be teaching this in schools but if we're not going to teach it in all the schools which apparently is a growing concern again then the least we can do is expect our movies to reflect the truth especially if it's supposed to be based in a true war about true enemies yeah i, I like hydra agents are, aren't mystical red skull's the only one with magic powers I like the whole diesel punk aesthetic and Hydra getting all wacky, but <laughs> it does take something away to have it start out about fighting the Nazis and then turn it into uh, fighting Hydra. And then Hydra is yeah. just this wacky thing that kind of looks Nazi-ish, but it's not. And then you can kind of just forget about it and um, lean into the whole aesthetic. Yeah, you know, I could have tied it in well in the same aesthetic by showing some of those clips of old Third Reich footage where Hitler and he's like yell talking at everybody like he did. And there's just like the Nazi flag behind him and it's supposed to be super nationalist and Hitler's bigger than God. And then it sort of like morphs into Red Skull doing the same thing. So that at least you know what he's supposed to be. But by the end of the movie, it's too alien. You forget that Red Skull is a damn human who was pro-concentration camp and pro-Third Reich until he wanted more power than Hitler. Like, how can you want more power than Hitler? Because he's insane. He wasn't insane. He wasn't insane. That's the problem. He wasn't insane. He was corrupt. Well, maybe maybe insane is the wrong word. Like He was evil. Well, and yes. He, but he was supposed to be the personification of Hitler. And if you're going to explain that Red Skull I mean, I, is the villain for a reason, don't lose that realism. I assume him keeping the German accent was supposed to mean that, that he's still a Nazi. Uh, but not all Germans are Nazis. Well, yes, I know. But, you know, Hollywood rules and such not enough if the bad guy looks like an alien looks other he no longer represents the Aryan ideal exactly you are hating on him not because he's a bad person killing a whole bunch of people no you're hating on him because he looks weird and he talks weird and he acts weird which is exactly how fascists and extreme nationalists view immigrants Immigrants, right sure He's the wrong color. He has a weird accent. He has a different belief system. And, and the guy and still wants to commit genocide, you know. He does, but they don't portray that. So how the hell do we know that he's a fucking Nazi? I mean, Nazis looking like Nazis weren't the problem. Right. Well, Nazis yeah, looking like man. Nazis aren't the problem. Nazis look like Aryans. They're, I mean, they're has, white. They I mean, have... he still had the car. He still had that car. Okay, but he looks like a villain who could, like, the Mercedes could have morphed into a spaceship. He had a weird rocket helicopter, you know? He he basically is 
Dr. Evil. He's not a Nazi. He's not a nationalist socialist. He's not a fascist. He's not someone who wants to commit genocide anymore. By the end of the movie, instead of being a Nazi, and that's the whole reason why they're freaking mad at him in the first place, he's just some weird guy who believes in magic and science being the same thing. And it's a twist when you really think about it. Because what does Captain America look like? Quintessential Aryan. Big, he's beefy, he's got the perfect nose, the perfect yeah. eyes, the Dorito chip, shoulder to ab ratio. He's the Ubermensch. And Red Skull is a fucking immigrant. Well, I do know in the comics, Cap Steve Rogers is an his parents are were Irish immigrants. Okay, well, they don't touch on that either. And by taking the Nazism out of Hydra and making him look as cartoony as he did and not addressing his ties to the Third Reich, it made him more sympathetic because he's not trying to commit genocide anymore because it's not implicitly said the second half of the movie. He just wants what I mean, he wants. I mean, he's a it's who kind of implied to with his targeting multiple cities and such. Oh, because other bad guys do that too. It's the difference between a crime and a hate crime. Hate crimes are especially egregious for a reason. It's because he is, they are trying to hurt people based on something that cannot be changed, specifically out of prejudice. That is completely unacceptable. We can all agree on that. But by turning Red Skull into this non-Nazi, because he's not a Nazi anymore, they went out of their way to show that he was breaking from the Third Reich, but not why. But he's because... still a hypocrite about it. Still technically carried the same ideals. Right, but they don't address it anymore. Once he breaks from the Third Reich, they no longer address that he still actually believes the same things as Hitler. That they're actually simpatico. That they would be besties if they weren't both megalomaniacs. Red Skull is a goddamn Nazi. And he is a terrible person because he also wants to commit genocide. But because of the way they portray him in the second half of the movie, he's not a Nazi anymore. He's just a bad guy, which means his hate crime stops being a hate crime. It's just a crime, which makes him more sympathetic because you can root for a villain. He still had like pilots intending to bomb various cities like uh, New York and Chicago. Because he wanted to rule those cities. He's a tyrant. He's not a genocidal tyrant, but he's supposed to be. It was like they crossed Nazi out underneath his name, which made him just a generic villain. That's not what he wants. It's not who he is. The Nazi. And genocide is still genocide. They took that out. They took the heinousness of his crimes out because he is still in support of the Holocaust. He just wants to widen it to anybody who isn't the Ubermensch. It's worth noting that in the original comics, there was this subtext where Cap was kind of supposed to be a golem figure who was defending the Jewish people created by a Jewish scientist guy. But they got rid of that subtext for the uh, movie, so he becomes less of a ally defending the Jewish people and more of a standard white savior figure. See, you know what? I agree. Because when you really think about it, and, and I know this is an oversimplification, what was World War II? It was a whole bunch of people being led by a megalomaniac douchebag and convincing them all to agree to killing or more people. And in this case, talking about 
the eradication of an entire race of people, Jews. So taking the, the golem aspect out means that you're taking the hero of the Jews out. And by taking the Nazi out of Red Skull, you're taking the villain out. So the victims and the villains, the survivors, all of it's gone. So Captain America, if you're really looking at it, if you're really being honest and looking at it as a movie about World War II or set in World War II, they whitewash the shit out of a World War II movie. And for what? Make people feel better? We are capable of understanding what happened during World War II. And I, I know this for a fact. I understand what happened. It was pure evil. We should not ever, ever give Nazis the opportunity to appear sympathetic, whether they have red heads, red skulls, or not. Yeah. That's what they did. I know they probably didn't mean to, but I can't know that for sure. I think they did, honestly, you know. Just wanted, I want more from Captain America, and I want well, more uh, from Hollywood. Well, Don't um, give me a watered-down fucking Nazi. I want my Nazis front and center so I know who they are, so I can hate them the way I'm supposed to. Well, give it until the second film. Put a bookmark there. Not enough. Then uh, I guess Falcon oh. and Winter Soldier could provide that. And it did. And it absolutely did. I'm so excited about that because, or not absolutely, it, it certainly it, um, addressed black issues. It didn't address anything for Jewish people. I, I actually kind of wonder how Jewish people felt about Captain America. Was it more cathartic to see him whooping Red Skull's ass or do they wish that he had actually socked Adolf Hitler in the face? I mean, I think Jack Kirby's grandchildren might have loved it. Based on what I've seen on Tumblr, it, the problems don't seem to be um, important because uh, mm -hmm. everyone just recognizes what the original intent was and can see it yeah. in the film. And I haven't really seen any meta seriously critiquing it. That's fair. That's a fair argument. So what do we think about Hydra being interesting to watch? Is it okay that there's a Red Skull fandom? People saying Hail Hydra? What do we think about that? Have you heard anybody saying Hail Hydra as a fan? Because yes. that would... Really? Y yeah? Like, um, with, I mean, like, not in the context of talking about something like the pie podcast, like Hail Hydra, like... I mean, I know like, it was a meme. I know it was a meme when the second film came out, but like this was before the before twenty sixteen, where it used to be fun saying "Hail Hydra" yeah. for uh, um, recognizing more and more. Yeah, uh, it's, yeah. it's like uh, in the Star Trek fandom, you say "Live long and prosper," and if you yeah. watch the MCU, you, you say "Hail Hydra." It's just something I've seen a lot. Interesting. Like I I've said as a joke, but not seriously. I, yeah. I don't know if... yeah, I just describe Hydra as compared to certain people. Yeah, I was growing up and I would say stuff like that depending on the fandom. Like even when I started learning about Hydra and Captain America, like my dad, who's a huge comic book fan, would say, you know what, Hydra, definitely supposed to be Heil Hitler. So a little bit of a Nazi thing, maybe don't go for that. But that was before the movies. No. And I always wonder when I hear Hail Hydra in the movies and thinking about kids saying it, are their parents explaining to them Hydra Nazis? 
I'd say it depends on the parents because there could be parents who can explain this, even if they haven't read the comics, or they don't think about it much and just never bother to explain. It's amazing how much slips through the cracks when... It's 50-50 is what I'm saying. That's uh, that's that's how I see it. When you're not paying attention. Yeah. But now I feel like I have to pay more attention. And sometimes people don't pay attention. Again, the second film, but we're not there yet. I'm getting ahead of myself. Yeah, dude. Fair. I'm ready. I am so ready to just keep going with these Is there anything movies. else to discuss? Well, how about money? How has um, Captain America survived? He's poor as hell from Brooklyn. What does he do for work? Does he have a job? He's so poor and sickly, so he can't join the army, which is what everyone was expecting a young man to do. And he do any of the jobs that a semi-uneducated man in Brooklyn in 1942 do? I kind of assumed Steve was doing some odd jobs before enlisting. Wasn't there something yeah. about collecting trash to trade in for something? Yeah, scraps. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Collecting scrap oh, yeah, that's metal. Right. He said that he doesn't want it. he didn't want to do that, but Bucky expected him to because that's what you were supposed to do. But that's what boys were supposed to do because they couldn't work. They ran around the city collecting scrap metal and old trash cans to yeah. be confer- converted for the war. That was Which how was they kept thing. out of trouble. Exactly. But it wasn't a job. So what did he do for work and how did he survive? And why does that inherently make him better? Because I know I've said it before, Tony Stark, not a terrible person. I mean, I guess... For money. I guess you could see it in this context that Steve is, like, a hero for the lower class. I mean, now that I think about it. Does he address class issues either? In the Falcon and the Winter Soldier, Zemo does his thing about uh, anyone who uh, is a super soldier is necessarily inclined towards supremacism. And then they say, except for Steve. Uh, Yes, but he's the only one who's uh, been able to resist the drive towards supremacism. In response to that, I saw a number of fans saying the reason why Steve is so good is because he suffered as an impoverished person in the 1940s and that he understands hardship. And this is why uh, he knows not to uh, become a supremacist. Yeah, I can buy that. I believe it. Yeah, well, except that I would poverty in the 1940s for a white man in New York be any more terrible than a refugee after the blitz i mean yeah Especially i mean i guess with, of color I, mean, I guess in... i mean i guess in the case of carly a combination of anger and grief can seriously just make her do a lot of irrational actions yeah but i mean erskine's original theory was that good becomes better yeah the good becomes great and bad becomes worse are we really going to imply that a, a teenage girl who is a refugee was inherently a bad person? I don't think it's meant to be that. At least right. not what the writers intend. Just like I said, anger and grief can really warp someone's mind. Not seeing therapy, for example. Why is, why is Steve immune to absolute power corrupts absolutely? That girl was very young. And for five years, her life was turned upside down, and she wasn't a bad person. She started out as a very good person. The character is very complicated, and she has good intentions, no doubt. But I think just having all that straight going straight to her head and just becoming very angry and grief played a part in it, that she just went off the deep end. Zemo's theory is flawed. 
it works for the current time, current day, but that theory still has to work within the MCU, and Erskine's theory still has to work within the MCU because that's the whole point. They are they both right? Are they both wrong? Is it a little in between? I'd say either both or in between. Keep in mind, Zemo is still by counts an antagonist. He's not exactly a straight laced good guy. Bad guys can sometimes be insightful. Yeah. Yes. True. True. No arguments. I don't know. I think I'll have to see more examples of superhumans. <laughs> Steve is supposed to be inherently good who becomes better, and he is a flawed human being. But he yes. generally makes the right decisions because inside, to begin with, he was already good. In a way, uh, yes. Right. But I don't think that if that logic is to follow, that that should work against... What's her name? Carly? Yes. Because she was younger and also good and cared. She was... Maybe age plays a factor, too. She like, wasn't that much younger than him. No, they made it clear she's a teenage girl. So. Right, but I'm saying when Steve became Steve, you know, he was always a good person. Before he became Captain America, he was always trying to stop bullies. He was getting his ass kicked in the process, but he was doing his best to stand up for the little guy, even when he was the little guy. What makes her different? makes her evil when she becomes a superhuman. Like, I don't doubt she was good before, but being hardened and just being very pissed at the world and make no mistake, she has reasons. She has good reasons, too. Do you think because she hardened before she became a superhuman, that was the difference? I think so. Hmm. It's the impression I got from it. Okay, I like that. That's a good working theory. I'll take that one. Like, I don't doubt she had this viewpoint before and just got extremely pissed over time. Right. So, I suppose we'll talk about um, Howard Stark as a rich, lovable, rich ally. He's adorable. (laughs) (laughs) He's a smarmy douchebag that kisses his chorus girls. He is Tony's father, no doubts. I think it's it's more fair to say that Tony is his son. Yeah. Well, same diff. Is it? We know where he is. Like, you know... He's he's just... Ugh. (laughs) he's just so gross when he says do you want to get some late night fondue like nah dude I really don't want to get some fondue with you you're so gross and I got the feeling that she felt the same way yeah it didn't get any better in um, him and Agent Carter yeah I mean when you ooze gross you just ooze and he was gross but like some people think that's super sexy He clearly had a sense of American pride and a sense of right and wrong. He just wouldn't let that interfere with his good time. Yeah. He's not too good. He's not too bad. Yeah. I mean, mean, no question. He's the money. And he has the tech. He has the tech. Most of the time. And the connections. And they use them. He's gross, but he's workable gross. Like slime in your hand. You You can mold it and then you can just throw it away and then wash your hands afterwards. Fair comparison, I'd say so. <laughs> He's so framed as like this uh, lovable 1930s pulp character. He does feel like he could have came from that, you know. Yeah, we should look at those comparisons for Agent Carter for sure. Isn't enough Howard Stark in the movies, Iron Man 2 and Captain America and whatnot, to really know for sure? And since they're played by two different gentlemen, it's a little more difficult. Fair points. When it's an Iron Man movie, it's played by, um, it's a completely different character. He's taller, he looks more Howard Hughesy, 
He's got a deeper voice. He's less smarmy, for sure. Uh, John Slatterly. In First Avenger and Agent Carter, it's Dominic Cooper. But, like, when the movies, in the movies when, you know, Tony's having a flashback or they go back in time, it's played by John Slattery. Oh, oh, I see what you mean. Okay. But it's two different actors. And Dominic Cooper's this smarmy, pervy one. And John Slatterly's the stern father here who always disapproves of his son. So I wonder if Tony has come up with a different vision of his father based on level of disapproval. Exactly. So he acts like how Tony or how Howard actually was, which is why Dominic Cooper and Howard Stark and Robert Downey Jr.'s Tony Stark look so similar. And then you've got John Slatterly, who is always looking down on his son and never smiles for him. John Slatterly is the one in, I think it's Infinity Wars. Yeah, where he hugs him because he just feels like, finally, I've got my father's approval. I'm not born yet, but I've got it. They're two different people. So I feel like when we get to Agent Carter, we'll have the opportunity to see more of the Howard Stark portrayal because he definitely gives off those 30s pulp vibes. John Slatterly doesn't. Age can change someone depending on how drastic. Yes. It is true that Captain America, the first Avenger, has its own very prominent aesthetic, the uh, diesel punk look. So there is the 1930s pulp aesthetic with Howard Stark that we wouldn't see outside of the first Avenger. Yeah. I could see how that would tie in. A Howard Stark that would say, late night fondue, I can't see him leaving the roadmap to a new element to Tony Stark. You know? Like, it's just different. They had a sense of the character and they went with it, and I, I want to see that. I get the sense that he was modeled after somebody. Howard no? Hughes. Not just Howard Hughes, but like... Like, the Dominic Cooper, Howard Stark, I feel like he was modeled after some somebody from, like, cult books or one of those old New York comic strips from the Sunday Times. I just, I don't know who it is. And I think I need to watch more of that to know for sure. Because I love him. He's such a gross douchebag. And I love his character. <laughs> I hate his counterpart, Don Slatterly. I hate him, and I don't know if that's because I'm sympathetic to Tony Stark or because see the John Slatterly's Howard Stark from Tony's perspective. I'm not sure. I hate him. Both. Yeah. Can't wait for that. Nick Fury. Oh, man. Well, I'm guessing uh, nobody at S.H.I.E.L.D. did their proper research when trying to fool Steve, since uh, he managed to figure out that uh, Mm. that's the wrong game. But that could have been intentional. If you were in the same situation as Captain America and you'd been through everything that he'd been through, and since it's super classified, Nick Fury would have known about it for obvious reasons. Wouldn't you want to make it more obvious that it is a conspiracy than not? Because he's more likely to believe that there's a conspiracy, that it's that it's all fake. Wouldn't that make mm, more sense? No, that I, I think they just wanted to study him in an environment where he felt safe. Yeah, that's the impression I got. Nick Fury wasn't surprised at all. Fury wasn't worried. Right. But he's always like one or two steps ahead of everybody. That he's the spy. So what if he did it intentionally? What if he was the only person who knew that Captain America would figure it out? Because why would the subordinates have access to that information? We're talking about the first Avenger, the experiment that made the first Avenger, the origins of 
Captain America. Who would know about that? The founding members of S.H.I.E.L.D., right? And at this point, one is on her deathbed, another is dead, another is somewhere, what have you, and there's Fury. So, or, you know, I guess he's more the inheritor. But he knows. He knows what happened. So what if he was just trying to make it as a test? What if it was a test to see how intact Steve was? If that was if that was the case, then I guess the agents were in the dark, considering uh, they had that to call for more believable. Security. And then there's the fact that uh, Steve technically uh, pushed one to the wall. Yeah, but that makes it more believable. And when you sign up for Shield, you're basically signing up to be a pawn on a chessboard. Nick Fury would have no qualms about telling his subordinates, "You have to play this part because he believes this." while at the same time knowing in the back of his mind that that's not actually true, just to see what would happen. You just know there was one agent who set, who screamed, I didn't sign up for this. Hey, if they had, if they had access to the rights for the uh, Lethal Weapons movies, like, I'm getting too old for this shit, it's there. But that's what Nick Fury does. He moves people around to get what he wanted. He does the same thing in Avengers. He manipulates them into becoming Avengers. Smearing Coulson's blood on those vintage Captain America cards, it is totally within the realm of possibilities that he knew that Captain America would not be fooled and he wanted to see what would happen. He wanted to know the state of Cap's mind. He wanted to know what he remembered and where he was. You have a point. That's my theory. Although I do like that 360 um, shot of Steve looking at Times Square, just stunned at how much the world changed. Aw, poor Steve. And, you know, being a New York native, he would just be freaking the hell out. Like, oh, my God, what are these lights? They're pink. It's like they're LED. What is LED? That would freak me out, just the color saturation alone. Yeah. 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 Although, thankfully, Steve in this isn't, um, in the MCU, isn't written like his ultimate universe self. Is that the super conservative one? Yes, the one. Good old Mark Millar wrote him. Ah. Yeah. Him. Never let him write Captain America. He's not exactly a good writer, honestly. And he kind of has, like, poor ideas. Like, there's a reason film adaptations of his work tend to be better than his books. He writes rape a lot. Oh my god, I hate Fridgers. I hate Fridgers. That's actually triggering for me. And when they put that in there unnecessarily, it drives me crazy. It's just, Awful. it's what he does, sadly. Right. There's a reason the film version of Kick-Ass to cut that scene. Yeah. It's yeah, not a good you know, movie, but that was a wise no. move. It, that kind of stuff just pisses me off. It's weird. Yeah. It's just weird. Trust me, I am so happy Millar does not have any input on the MCU. The only good idea he had was making Nick Fury black. That's the version they're using in the MCU. I love it. And he did ask Samuel Jackson for likeness permission. And he approved it. And the only condition was that Jackson will agree to it if he can play Nick Fury. And that yeah. request ended up being honored. Hey, that's wonderful. I didn't know that. Thank you. I, I saw He's an a interview big... with Samuel Jackson <clears throat> where it certainly seemed like he just like opened up a comic book one day and was surprised to see himself in it. So he... I can believe that. He's a weird dude, and he's old. He's got other shit to do, you know? He's a big comic fan. You know, yeah. He's a big comic book and anime fan, basically. There's there's a reason Afro Samurai <clears throat> exists. So, you know. Samuel L. Jackson is 
He's a treasure. He, he is. He is a treasure. And a pain in the ass. And so cool. And anytime you want to laugh, watch him get the upper hand. Watch those videos of that stupid interviewer getting him mixed up with Lawrence Fishburne. <laughs> I'm thinking that exactly. I'm s- I, I'm just, I just love Jackson's reaction to that guy confusing him for Fishburne. I love, and he takes him to task for it, as he should. <laughs> I love him as Nick Fury. I love him calling out racism in later movies. So I'm, I'm excited for that. I'm sorry. I and love that story. I'm sorry. So I love good. that interview. I watch it, like, at least twice a year. It just makes me chuckle. Because it just never stupid. fails to make me laugh. It, it shouldn't. Laugh. Because he was an he was an idiot. Not all black people look the I mean, same. They are different I mean, yes. guys. I mean, Sam Jackson's right to call him out. That's just what makes it so funny. Exactly. I, I was at a panel for uh, Christopher Judge from Stargate, and uh, someone him. someone asked him a question and uh, got him confused with uh, Chiwetel Ejiofor. <gasps> what? They don't even look the same. What? Wow. That's terrible. How? Oh my god. How? How do you confuse the two? Well, it was like um, she she was saying, "Oh, I saw you in this movie," and that that wasn't him. How do you take it? Like, how Uh, did he say uh, that? Like, he did like. uh, uh, Honey, I I hate to bust your phone, but I think that was some other brother. You know, there's more than one of us. (laughs) Though I know Christopher Judge mainly as Magneto in X Men Evolution. What? Didn't know he what? was that. Oh, he was. As, you don't know him as Teal'c? I never saw Stargate. What? No, I haven't. Oh, Sorry. You're missing out. Oh my god, I love that show so much. You know, I just so mainly good. associate him as Magneto. You know, besides oh. Ian McKellen, that is, and Michael Fassbender. No. You know. Watch Stargate. But he was a great Magneto. He really was. Well, he's a better Teal'c. I love yeah. him. It's on my watch list. I, I, it's, it hasn't eluded me, just uh, I haven't gone around to it yet. Oh, get around to it right now. Just do it. I, yeah. You know what? If you don't know him as Teal'c and you're a gamer, you should at least know him as Kratos from the God of War games. Did not know that either. What? Dude. I'm not up. a gamer. I, just, I don't have a game station with me. You know. I'm not either. Just watch some of the clips of the conversations from him in God of War, and you'll see what I mean. Fair. Fair points. He's amazing. I, I just know him as Magneto, like, you know. He was voice. a good Magneto. I, I did like him, I'm just saying. He's chilk, and he has the best face. Indeed. Fair. Fair points. I mean, I do want to bring out that Avenger stinger, because uh, I stayed through the credits, as always, for that. I... And, you know, I didn't. I just left. But it did get the audience hyped. I mean, sure. I certainly was. And, uh, uh, well, I'll discuss audience reactions when we get to Avengers. Because, uh, oh that was oh, because opening weekend was amazing. Then I didn't go opening weekend. I don't think I've been to any opening weekend for any comic book movie except for Christian Bale's Batman movies. I mean, the singer was literally a promo, like a short trailer, sure. but. But it did its job. It did. Am I right in remembering that they play, they basically play that again at the very beginning of the Avengers movie? Basically. It extended it so that they nice have game. the 
Is it? It's like it's like ten bucks. Says I'll surprise you. Yeah. I don't remember that. Never yeah. played on my screen. Okay. Yeah. All right. Just you know, trailers are over. Logos show up. You know yeah. that was it. You know, the MCU is really good at that. That's true. Yeah. To be continued in Avengers. <laughs> Where on your list does this one stack up? Where does Captain America? I'd say borders between one and two with uh, Iron Man and Thor. Okay. I, I still think it's a very banger movie. It's, you know, I still find it very solid, you know, <clears throat> sure, some hiccups, but I'd say it still holds up. Okay. Riley, what about you? I'd say it's probably uh, slightly lesser than Thor because with uh, Nicole Perlman, there was uh, such an emphasis on appealing to the female market in uh, Thor, and I like that. Uh, but Captain America is pretty solid, and um, it certainly has problems. I think it's much better than um, Incredible Hulk and Iron Man 2. And um, That's for damn sure. Yeah. So I agree. Slightly beneath Thor and yeah. Iron Man's still top as a well-made movie between the race and tokenism issues i'm not amused with that i also don't like as as you know i've railed about it their changing of the villains from nazis to non-nazis but the movie itself is fun to watch still and even though i was still rooting for stucky i am a fan of the movie as an experience and it's definitely a thousand times better than the Hulk and Iron Man 2, which is trash. Yeah. Yeah. And you do get to the cathartic execution of Nazis. Yes. Yeah. It's always fun seeing Cap beat up Nazis. Damn right. I mean, the part where uh, Red Skull kills the Nazi inspectors. You get, like, these uh, that was Nazis good. Like, and cowering was and going, Ah! Right, and he was doing it like someone playing a video game. Like, shit, I missed that time. Hold on, let me recalibrate. That was well done. That was well done. Because who <laughs> likes Nazis? Not me. But yeah, I'm ready for Avengers. I'm ready. Yeah. Agents of SJW will return in the Avengers. Yay! <laughs> and um, to finish things off, Excelsior!